everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes a Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today we're kicking off a brand new series called Summer School. You see, I get emails and messages all the time asking for help in four different types of goals, like big buckets of goals. Here's what they are. Number one, side hustles. How do I do a side hustle? How do I make money doing a side hustle? What does it look like for me to have a small business, be an entrepreneur, et cetera? Second one, I get a lot of health questions. Okay, how do I find something I like to do for exercise? How do I keep my health in check? How do I have a healthy lifestyle? Third, writing. I write books. There's a lot of books in this room right now. How do I write books? And the last one is speaking. I'm a public speaker. So those are kind of the four areas that I talk about a lot. I also talk about parenting too, but we're going to do a little more of that in the fall because I have a new book coming out. More on that later, more on that later. So I thought it would be fun for the next four weeks to answer one question around each of those topics. So one specific thing that relates to each of those four big goals. This first week, I will talk about the eight ways to charge more for your side hustle. Next week, We'll talk about five ways to get healthy. Week three, I'll talk about the five steps I use when writing a book. And in week four, I'll talk about four mistakes public speakers make. I thought that'd be a really fun way to spend the summer together. And it's been a long time since I've done what I consider like a a solo episode where it's just me and you hanging out versus me interviewing somebody. So that's what we're going to do over the next four weeks. Before we get started, here's a quick message from the sponsor of today's episode. Are you struggling to finish your goals? You're not alone. According to research studies, 92% of people who set New Year's resolutions don't complete them. People have write books, they leave business ideas in the first draft stage, they don't learn the new skill, they don't run the race, they don't change careers, and those post-December pounds stay firmly in place. But there's a second group, the 8%. They're the ones getting calls from publishers about their next book. They're the ones with calendars so full they have to turn down high-paying offers. They're the ones that are crushing every exercise goal they have. They're the finishers. What if you could have a step-by-step guide to get your biggest dream across the finish line? That's exactly what you'll find in my Finish Video course. No matter what goal you have, in this course, you'll learn how to master your motivation, keep the promises you make to yourself, and most importantly, how to actually finish your goals. And I promise you'll have a ton of fun along the way. Check out the course today at finishcourse.com. Thousands of people just like you have used it to write books, get in shape, pay off debt, declutter their houses, find new jobs, complete degrees, and just about any other goal you can imagine. That's finishcourse.com. Now, before we begin, I need to say, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, oh no, I don't have a side hustle. This won't apply to me. I think everyone should have a side hustle. I think everyone should have some at least tiny little faucet of other thing they're doing. Um, It's one of the things I talk to my kids about all the time. I want my kids to leave college with a side hustle mentality, with an entrepreneur's mentality, even if you work at a big company for your entire life. I've worked at big companies. I love big companies. I think you can have an entrepreneur's mindset inside a big company. I think you should have a little bit of side hustle in everything you're doing. So I hope that today, even if you don't have a side hustle, even if you've never thought about one, even if you don't have a small business, I think you're still going to get something out of this episode. So again, today we're going to talk about eight ways to charge more for your side hustle. 
I once met an artist in Florida. Um, I loved his illustrations. I was at an event and he showed me some of his illustrations and I asked him how much he was charging for his work. And he said, uh, like about a nickel. That's not exactly what he said, but he might as well have said about a nickel. He was grossly undercharging for his work. And most entrepreneurs that I know undercharge too. Roughly 90% of the entrepreneurs I interact with don't charge enough money for what they do. Of that 90%, the majority of them are not just undercharging, they're grossly undercharging. The gap between what they are asking for versus what they deserve is massive. It's not minor, it's, it's major. In fact, I would argue that not charging enough is one of the biggest problems facing entrepreneurs right now. The other problem is that they don't focus on email enough. I can't stress that enough. Whenever somebody asks me, if you go back 10 years in your journey of running a business, what would you change? I would focus on email more. I got really distracted by social media, which is shiny and like, woo, I should have focused on email more. That's another episode for another day. This problem about charging first hit me when I met that illustrator. He was creating these beautiful line drawings that were incredibly simple and they were really fun. And when I asked him his rate, I was flabbergasted. I don't know if people still use that word. I, I think it's a fantastic word. Knucklehead, bungalow, nougat, flabbergasted. I love all the old words. I was flabbergasted by what he was charging. I told him to raise his rate as fast as he could. People don't like that advice, which is, it's weird for me. Like that people don't like that advice. Because when I ask you to raise your rate, I'm only saying it because I think you are better than you think you are. I, I think your service or product is worth a lot more than you think it is. And I want you to believe that too. That's the challenge of working for yourself. Whether you're full-time or part-time, you forget that what you create has worth. You forget how valuable it really is. You forget that people want to pay money for it. The sad thing is that if you won't charge enough for your work, you won't get to do it for very long. There's a dog groomer near us, for instance, and they're going out of business. They might be able to limp along for a few more months or maybe even a year, but the writing is on the wall. Why? They haven't raised their rates in seven years. Do you know who has raised their rates in that same time period? Milk, computers, yard guys, barbers, dentists, everyone has raised their rates. So why hasn't this dog groomer done it? For a million reasons. Maybe, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's shame, um, as if earning a good living is something to be embarrassed about. Maybe years ago, they had a professor or a teacher who gave them a really unhealthy view of their own worth. The reason doesn't matter. Fixing the situation does. Today, I'm going to share a few ways to raise your rates. I'm going to tell you things that helped me charge 10 times as much as I used to. Will they work? I think they will. They certainly did for the illustrator I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. When I sat down to write this episode, I reached out to him. When we initially met, I told him to double his rates. He did. And a few years later, he's charging quadruple what he started with. I believe that's possible for you too. Let's talk about what it'll take to get there. Tip number one, don't let love get in the way. It, it killed me, not to quote Tina Turner and title this one, What's Love Got to Do With It? I wanted to, but the rhythm just didn't work. It didn't. I tried. Trust me, I tried. Some of the reasons you should charge more will make logical sense. Other reasons will be more emotional in nature. This one is more on the emotional side of things. One of the problems for freelancers and entrepreneurs is that they often enjoy the things they are charging for. They think to themselves, 
I had so much fun doing this. I, I couldn't possibly charge a lot of money for it. Or their joy makes it feel like it doesn't count as a business. I'm, I'm just making quilts. This isn't a business. I would be doing this even if I didn't have you as a client. I'm happy you feel that way. I'm glad you found something you enjoy. But just because you like it doesn't mean you shouldn't get paid for it. Did you ever see Michael Jordan play? I, I saw him play a couple times. I actually met him once and got his autograph. Have you ever seen Patrick Mahomes play or Serena Williams? They looked like they are having the time of their life. Was there anybody happier than Michael Jordan when he was jumping from the free throw line with his tongue out for just this massive dunk? He had tons of joy and also earned a ton of money. Joy and income are not mutually exclusive. It's okay to have both in whatever work you're doing. Just because you enjoy something doesn't mean it doesn't have value. So that's the first tip. Don't let love get in the way. Tip number two, change the way you look at it. A friend of mine is a designer. She's known for creating beautiful digital portraits of people. One night, she decided to hold an event. She sold 100 tickets for $59 each. In addition to the event, she promised to draw everyone's portrait at the end of the night. Later, while discussing the event, she told me that it had been worthwhile. Unfortunately, from a financial perspective, I disagreed. She made $5,900 on the event and probably cleared $4,500 in revenue. That's not a terrible night of work, but she was looking at it the wrong way. I asked her if a speaking client, like say a corporation, offered you $4,500 to come speak at their event and you had to create 100 portraits, would you? The answer was an immediate no. Her speaking fee was a lot higher than that, but doing the event herself muddied the waters. Sometimes when you're hustling on your business, you go so fast that you fail to look at issues from multiple angles. If you get paid $400 for a project that takes you 55 hours, flip it around and think about it from a day job perspective. If you were working at a corporate job and you made $20,000 a year, roughly $400 a week, would that be amazing money? Would that be worth all the blood and sweat and struggle? And, and maybe if it's your first job, it is. My very first job out of college, I made $24,500. I thought I was bawling. Like I felt like I was the richest person in the world. I was like $24,500 and I get it. Like that's for me. I went and bought a mountain bike. Um, and maybe I've told this story before. I bought the mountain bike with a loan. I was at the store. I knew nothing about money. I was just the dumbest person about money. And I went to the store and I was going to buy a mountain bike. And it was like $800. And um, the guy was like, you know, we do store credit and you can get a loan. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's like free money. And I was like, well, golly, that sounds like a fantastic deal. I'll use your free money. And I swear to you, I swear to you later in life. My wife said to me, Hey, why do you keep mailing checks to, uh, to Birmingham? Like, why do you keep mailing checks to Birmingham, Alabama? I lived in Massachusetts at the time. And I said, what, well, that's for my bike loan. And she was like, wait a second, wait a second. Did you get like a car loan for a mountain bike? And I was kind of like, yeah, it's the only way, um, to pay $1,200 for an $800 mountain bike. Like, so I was just the dumbest with my first job, with my first purchases, but step back for a second and change the way you're looking at it, especially if you consider salary in this. If you relate what you're earning to an actual salary, it helps you take another look at it and go, wait a second, this might not be enough. What I'm charging might not be enough. Make sure that when you get an offer for money, you consider it from every possible angle. Step number three, break it down to hourly. 
If you ever want to quickly realize that you're not getting paid enough, break down your rate to an hourly amount. Talk about a humbling experience. Like this one is humbling if you have a side hustle. Let's look at the example from our last point. If you got paid $400 for 55 hours of work, you didn't really make $400. That's the wrong number to look at. You got paid $7.27 an hour. Do you know what the average minimum wage is in America? $7.25 an hour. Your great project netted you two pennies more than minimum wage. Where, where do you think you'll spend that? Where are you going to ball out with that extra two pennies? That's just not worth it. You might as well quit that project and go make burritos somewhere for minimum wage because at least that way, free burritos, right? I'm assuming that you can eat free burritos while you work. Those are the best kind of burritos. Doing this also helps you be honest about the hours you are really dedicating to a particular project. Case in point, public speaking. It would be easy to say that if a speech is an hour long, hour long speech, that's how long it took, but that's just not true. That doesn't take into account the time it takes you to write the speech, the practice time, or the reality that you're often out of town for 36 hours or 48 hours. Suddenly that one hour stretches to 40 hours. You have to calculate the whole project, not just parts of the project. So make sure that you break it down hourly to get a sense of, wait a second, I am undercharging for my photography. Wait a second, I am undercharging for my logo designer. I am undercharging for my my haircuts or my babysitting, whatever your side hustle is. Make sure you break it down hourly every now and then to get a bigger sense of, okay, this is this is a good rate or it's not a good rate. Number four, way that you can charge more. Act like a company. Act like a company. I got a raise every year when I worked for AutoTrader. I worked for autotrader.com in Atlanta. Great company. They're part of Cox Communications. Amazing company. I got a raise every year. That's just what companies do. They recognize that valuable employees are worth the extra money. Guess what? So are you. So is your side hustle. If you worked at an ad agency, instead of just being a freelance graphic designer, they would do an annual review and then they would give you a little bit more money. Since you don't have a manager or a boss when you have a side hustle, that responsibility for the raise falls to you. You're in charge of your own raise. If the work you're doing is worth it, and it probably is if you're listening to a podcast like this, go ahead and give yourself a raise. Act like a company because the crazy thing is you are one. How do you do that? Simple. At the bare minimum, hold an annual review with yourself. It might feel silly at first, like I get that, I do. But you should be doing this kind of activity anyway. A review is one of the best ways to get better at what you actually do. Promise yourself that every year you will give yourself a 10% raise at the minimum. Number five, number five tip. Remember, some numbers are similar. Derek Sievers tells a really powerful story in his book, Anything You Want. If you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it, especially if you're an entrepreneur. It's this book called Anything You Want, and he tells a story that as he was getting ready to launch his website, CD Baby, he planned to charge $25 per album to load into his store. So he was just this genius ahead of iTunes as far as making music available online. So he was going to charge $25 to load an album into his store. And right before he pulled the trigger, though, he had a thought about the price. He said, quote, I realized that $35 feels about about the same as $25. So I bumped it up to $35 per album, which left me room to give discounts and still make a profit. Now, he was right, of course. Spending $35 doesn't feel that different in a psychological way than spending $25. I can make that leap 
pretty easily. That's what you need to remember about raising your price. If you're currently charging $25 per hour, $35 isn't that different. If you're charging $125 for an item on your Etsy store, $145 isn't that different. Some numbers are similar. Now, clearly, if you're charging $100, $300 is a big difference. Like to jump from $100 to $300 is a huge difference. Emotionally, those numbers don't feel the same. But we're not talking about massive jumps. We're talking about deliberate increases that help your bottom line. If you sell a thousand t-shirts and you up the price by $3, most consumers won't even notice, but your bank will. That's a $3,000 bump in profit. Tip number six, unique items deserve unique prices. Many of the people listening to this episode will be creating unique items or unique services. Sure, I, I mean, I probably have my fair share of dairy farmers in my audience and milk is, is milk, but unique items deserve n- unique prices. For example, I mentioned an illustrator at the introduction. When I met him, he was doing unique line drawing portraits. Do you know what those usually cost? Me either. He could have said $50 or $100 or even $200 and I would have thought, okay, that that makes sense. It reminds me of when they first started selling black pearls. Like when the black pearl market developed, it's clearly I know a lot about. They knew that they had this rare opportunity to set the price where they wanted it. And so they did. Guess what? They set the price high because there was no other market yet. The more unique your product or service is, the more unique your price can be. Because price comparison shopping won't be happening a ton in your industry. Number seven, if changing your prices is overwhelming to you, do tip number seven, experiment. The next time someone wants to buy what you offer, charge them 10% more. That's it. 10% more. You can add 10% to the price. You probably should have added 10% a long time ago. Just try it a few times. See what happens. Chances are they'll be just fine. And, and so will you. It doesn't have to be forever either. If you raise your rates and absolutely hate the experience, what's the worst thing that can happen? You just go back down to your normal rate with the new knowledge you gained. And the last tip, tip number eight, go fast with new business and slow with old. The reality is that raising your prices with new customers is easy. They don't even, they don't even know you're raising the prices because as far as they know, that's what things cost. Like for instance, I've never stayed in a hotel in Iceland. If you told me the price was $500 a night, I wouldn't say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Iceland really raised the prices. Iceland and Bjork are out of control. I hope the guys in Seeger Ross could fix this. I would just assume that's what things cost in Iceland because I'm a a brand new customer to Iceland. With old customers, it's a little trickier. You certainly have the option to grandfather them in at a low rate if they've been with you for a while. But I would encourage you to instead raise the prices slowly. Most customers won't even ask why you raise them. But if they do, don't freak out. This is the entrepreneur's version of asking your boss at a corporate job for a raise. A good client will understand why you're raising your rates, especially if you show increased value. If after a brief explanation about the price increase and and what it means and why you're doing it, if they still fight it, be careful. They might have just given you the best indication That is not going to work out in the end. There's a whole podcast episode there, how to spot and promptly fire bad clients. Like I could do a whole episode on that particular goal. Bad clients cost you a lot more money than they are worth. Those are the eight tips. And because I'm generous, bonus tip for summer school. Here it is. 
listen to episode 15 of this podcast. Listen to episode 15. I did a whole episode called Say These Three Words If Someone Asks You to Work for Free. If you listen to that episode, you will instantly have the solution for the next time a friend or neighbor asks you to work for free. It's episode 15. You will be able to make more money instantly listening to that episode. And everyone listening to this right now that has a side hustle has had a friend or a neighbor be like, hey, you're so talented. I would love you to just like shoot my wedding as a favor. Like everyone's been asked for that free service. If that's you, listen to that episode. So let's recap all all eight ways. Number one, don't let love get in the way. Don't let love get in the way of your side hustle. Number two, change the way you look at it. Number three, break it down hourly. Make it real in your head when you break it down hourly. Number four, act like a company because you are. Number five, remember some numbers are similar. Derek Sievers, 25 and 35, they're similar. Number six, unique items deserve unique prices. Number seven, experiment. 10%, raise it by 10%. See what happens. Number eight, go fast with new business and slow with old. I think you're worth more than you're charging right now. I I really do. Why do I think that? Because that's the case with almost everyone I have ever met. Don't apologize for how much you charge. Be expensive. Create work that is high end and high value. Some people might not have the budget, but that's okay. What you do isn't for everyone. Raise your rates. No one is going to do it for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. The reviews you write are super encouraging. Podcasts are weird. I've said this a billion times. They're weird because you kind of do them in a vacuum. And it's not like a live event where you can hear the reaction of the audience. You can get feedback or even a blog with their comments or Twitter where there's responses. A review is only like one of the few ways that I get to hear from you um, and get a sense of, of what's working with the show. So thank you for taking the time to write those. Um, please make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever it is the kids are saying these days. And please write a review. Last but not least, if you want some help with any goal you're working on, check out my finished course at www.finishcourse.com. That's finishcourse.com. I'll see you next week. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.